Welcome to the Q-Pop Podcast, your home for World of Warcraft PvP. Hello and welcome. Today is Monday, January 11th, 2016. I'm your host, Rashiwi, and this is episode 10 of Q-Popped. This is the last episode of Q-Popped for a while as I'm having my first child on Friday, and I don't know how long I'll be out. If you want to find out when we'll be back, check out my Twitter, at Rashiwi. Today on the show, our guest is Talby, a.k.a. Healing Stat, who is a two-time BlizzCon runner-up, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff we'll talk about when we get into. He's on Team Skillcapped EU, but first, let's give you guys a little bit of news. On Wednesday, January 6th, Blizzard officially announced that it acquired the business of Major League Gaming. We talked about this a little bit last week, but this is Blizzard's official announcement. Mike Sespo, Senior Vice President of Activision Blizzard Media Networks and MLG co-founder, said, Sundance and I founded MLG to highlight the incredible talent of competitive gamers all over the world. Activision Blizzard's esports leadership, incredible intellectual property, and long history in competitive gaming create a perfect home for MLG's capabilities. The acquisition of MLG's business is an important step towards Activision Blizzard Media Network's broader mission to bring esports into the mainstream by creating and broadcasting premium esports content, organizing global league play, and expanding distribution with key partners. Long-winded way of saying they're pretty excited. Uh, We were also talking last week, and I said I was sad that MLG was going to be gone, and it appears that is not the case. They also announced that MLG will continue to operate MLG.TV, MLG Pro Circuit, and the Game Battles platform. I don't know much about the Game Battle platform, but the Pro Circuit is the used to be live, and they said that they were probably going to start going and doing live stuff again. Uh, They also say we will continue to work with MLG's partners and other publishers across the industry. MLG.TV is a premium online broadcast network for a professional level eSport, and the MLG Pro Circuit is the longest running eSports league in North America. Game Battles is the largest online gaming tournament across consoles, PC, and mobile platforms. In tournament news, this past week, GCD TV with D-Machine hosted tournament number four of its nine-tournament bi-weekly pro league. The qualifiers started the weekend off in a very interesting finish as Team Holy Crow, the name is a nod to GCD's own D-Machine, consisting of Supertees, who also cast, Losa, and Taz. They qualified uh, one of the series. They played Balanced Druid, Warrior, and Resto Druid. They also played LSD3 and Turbo Cleave. Uh, so they got a, a lot of stuff, but it was just very interesting to see uh, a double Druid. Uh, following the qualifiers, I didn't think the uh, that a double Druid comp winning anything would top that. Boy, was I wrong. In the upper bracket, Cloud9 convincingly makes it to the finals, taking out Super T's Holy Crow team, Walter Beer's team Splice, and Bean Slayer's team, which is Please Sponsor Us. Meanwhile, the crowd favorite, yet seemingly underdog, based off past week's performances, the team of Method Orange, who this week consisted of Sidu, Smexon, and Snuts, who played only Warrior Lock Shaman in the tournament, loses in the upper bracket to rivals Tempo Storm, and they're sent to the lower bracket. It looks like it might be a repeat of the previous weeks with the team, but then they prove that they're not out of it yet, and they 3-0 Method Black. Method Black is Frozen Chicken Cleave. Method Orange then faces Team Splice, Walter Bear's Jungle Cleave. Uh, they play Jungle Cleave versus WLS the whole time. And in a long, drawn-out series, Method Orange wins 3-2 over Team Splice. They then sweep Tempo Storm, Please Sponsor Us, and Cloud9 without dropping a single game going 9-0 to become Week 4's tournament victors. This is a big game for them uh, as they won the tournament with the three-man roster, didn't switch any comps uh, to, to face the counters. They didn't try to counterpick, and uh, maybe that's a good thing because Team Synergy is, is such an important thing in this game. Uh, many critics of the older players who deem uh, Snuts and Sea-Doo washed up, you'll see a lot in chat. Uh, in my mind, they'll have to seriously consider their feelings after that tournament, but I'm sure the haters won't stop hating. I'd also like to congratulate GCD TV on a well-done tournament, peaking over 19,000 viewers at one time. It was awesome. The chat was spamming Sea-Doo take my energy the whole time. Of course, I think Sea-Doo hosted him. I think Benruki hosted him, even though he was in Mexico. And I think Mitch Jones hosted them at one point. So some big players, uh, you know, hosting them. And some people are saying that maybe that's a bad thing. 
I don't think that's a bad thing. We'll talk a little bit about that later. This is Adrian, a.k.a. Talby, a.k.a. Healing Stat. He is a two-time runner-up of BlizzCon. He placed second place at BlizzCon 2015, playing RMD and Shatterplay with Raikou, Pry, and Valai. You might have seen them this year. He placed second place at BlizzCon 2014, playing God Comp with Zuniaki and NoLifer. He has won four... ESL weekly tournaments, and he also took third place in the Yaz Presents tournament with Zipai and Katsura. Multiple rank one titles on Resto Druid, Shadow Priest, and Holy Paladin. Generally most known for his Resto Druid, but I think more maybe your Holy Paladin this season. And uh, he's also had Gladiator on Frost Mage and Resto Shaman. So one heck of a resume. I'd like to start off by asking you. How'd you start playing WoW, and, and then how did you get into PvP? Uh, so, my friend introduced me to WoW, like, one of my real-life friends, and we played it pretty casually, like, it was just one of many games that we played, and then uh, we always, like, our favorite thing to do was always, like, once we actually leveled up, which did take us quite a while, it was, like, go to low-level zones and gank people, so we never really had a <laughs> PvP-oriented like history. What, ex- uh, so, yeah. what expansion did you start playing during? Uh, I started during BC, but I only hit max level in Warthog at the very start. Okay. Uh, where did the name Talby come from? Uh, so, initially, my name was like my characters always healing stat, magic stat characters like this. Hmm. But uh, given I've mained a Shadow Priest for almost the whole time I played WoW. Uh, I was quite a Talbadar fanboy in Cataclysm, and I first made my Druid in Cataclysm, so I named it after him. Yeah, I was linking uh, your stuff around to some people that they PvP, but maybe don't watch the competitive scene all that much, and especially maybe the EU players, and they all ask me, oh, is it Talbadar? Every time I'm like, yeah, no. I, I get so that every now and then. I, th- I think it was probably a good choice to start going <laughs> by Healing Stat again. Yeah, I think it was a little upsetting for me that... Uh, they didn't allow me to be consistent over the two years with my name because I would rather have consistency so that people identify me as the same person. But build a brand. I think. Thing. Yeah, exactly. But I think Healing Stats a better brand to build, even if the name isn't fantastic, just because it is a different name. What was your first class that you ever played that you leveled up? Uh, the first character I ever played was a mage. But the first one I hit max level on was a priest. When uh, when did you start getting competitive and start really taking PvP seriously? So, uh, I I was a big PV uh, during the majority of Cataclysm, and uh, perhaps a little bit of MOP, but not very much. Actually, I think it was just Cataclysm actually. And uh, towards the end of Cataclysm, the PV gear was really strong on. DPS classes, mm-hmm. and I was, like, even though I was in the top PvE guild, I always had PvP aspirations, and uh, a few of the people that were number, like, of the best players on my server picked me up, mainly because of my PvE gear, but they wanted to see how it went, and then we clicked and we played together, well, we still play together today sometimes, so, uh, towards late Cataclysm and early MOP, we got towards gladiator rank one level so you said you were you're talking about the the damage stats for so you were you playing a dps that first yeah gladiator? my my main character since almost when i started till about season 14 season 15 it was my shadow priest i only started playing rusted druid uh competitively just before BlizzCon because healers were in more demand you uh have you competed as a shadow priest uh, I have played in tournaments as a Shadow Priest, not offline, but uh, I haven't had a great deal of success. Some of the ESL I'm actually, yeah, I'm actually planning on playing in the next GCD on US as Shadow Priest. Oh, I can't wait to see that. That'll be a whole lot of fun. Yeah, I hope so. Well, I was just about to ask how you became a healer, and uh, I assumed it was because everybody needs a healer, and like you yeah. said, that's that's exactly why. Um do you have any really fond memories from WoW? Something uh, really nostalgic you think back to? Well, I mean, like, I had a lot, a lot, a lot of fun when 
I was progressing. I was playing with Shake Milk and Banana Split, who was an EU uh, Mage and an EU Holy Paladin, respectively. And we, uh, like, we're, I went from personally being like a 2.2k player to like a multi rank one player just playing with those guys in a matter of two seasons or so. So, like, that was a really fun journey, and we have a lot of great memories together. together and I'm really happy that I can still play with them. But that um, I also have a good memories on when I started out on my Rusted Dread because, like, initially, my when I started healing, it was because uh, there was, like, a lot of demand for healers on my battle group. The battle group wasn't so active, so I played it with a great deal of uh, failure at first, but then I played it a lot, and since there wasn't that many healers, like, a lot of good mains on the BG were willing to play with me, and it meant that I improved quite quickly. Were you, and, yeah. were you worried when you picked up these other classes that you would have any kind of trouble or maybe you would never be as good as your Shadow Priest or when you picked up Holy Paladin, you'd never be as good a healer as your Rest of Jordy? Just go into that thinking, I'm going to learn it as much as I can and do the best I can and, and I'll be the best. Well, when I first started playing my Rest of Jordy, it wasn't with a competitive intention. Like I never intended on meaning Rest of Jordy. And I was actually slightly upset when... Uh, my Shadow Priest had to... I had to stop playing Shadow Priest because I had to go full-time try-harding on Druid to practice for BlizzCon. But initially, like, it was never like that. Obviously, once uh, it was apparent I was good enough and no life runs in Yaki asked me to play, then it became really... And there were moments, of course, where I felt like I'm not good enough for these guys. These guys are BlizzCon finalists last year. Zunyaki's got a history at these events like being one of the best players of all time if not the best and suddenly those kinds of thoughts would have gone through my mind i wondered uh, it's it's really impressive to me there's not a whole lot of players that are that can compete at that level in multi-class i can only think of a couple but and not made it to blizzcon twice playing two different mains so that's that's really impressive to me so um yeah. One of the nice things about Warlords is actually that uh, although people complain about it simplifying the game, which has its advantages in other ways as well, it certainly does mean that uh, the people that are willing to put in the effort to learning multiple classes do get rewarded for it because it's not so difficult. Like It it was harder in previous expansions for sure. That's good at multiple levels too. I mean, the top level, mm-hmm. but also if you want to play casually and you know your friends play a certain class, you can you can kind of comp around that and, and play with them, maybe a little bit lower, maybe 2,200 or something. Um, well, how much have you looked into Legion? Have you played the Alpha at all? Or uh, I haven't played the Alpha, although I hear it was only a questline. Or actually, they've introduced more to the Alpha now, right? Yeah, I believe they've introduced some stuff, but not really any PvP. But have you read mm. up on the, the new PvP talents and the new honor system and all that? So I streamed for a little bit, and when I did, like all these alpha notes were coming out, and they did get linked to me. I, I read a few of them. I mainly read the Shadow Priest ones, and I saw they having a void form and stuff, and it looked quite exciting. Uh, I've also heard that they're making multiple PvP abilities into talents, so things like Cyclone are going to be talents right. that you actually choose. So I think that could be quite exciting to see what the actual alternatives they think will be viable to compete with Cyclona. But, uh, yeah, it, it's all very exciting. I'm not sure. They're, they're making a lot of changes uh, all the time with Alpha, so that's why I'm not so... Like, I, I don't keep a close eye on it because I expect everything to change in a month, you know? Right. What are your thoughts uh, on not having to grind gear anymore? Is that a bad thing uh, or a good yeah, thing? Or? I, I think I like that, yeah. Although, I heard you have to grind your specializations or your talents or something mm-hmm. instead, which yeah. is something similar, I guess. I think the way it looks, though, um, you'll be able to, like, prestige and reset it and get certain rewards and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think if you wanted to, you know, play at the, the top level, you could just get the very first set and sit on that until you have, like, a week where you're bored, and then you can yeah. grind out the other stuff for fun. They've also said that seasons are going to be a lot shorter. Okay, that's really nice. Which I think yeah, everybody wants, because uh, mm-hmm. this season is going to be like almost yeah, a year. Yeah, it's going to be quite long. Yeah. Oh, that's going to be terrible. Yeah, I, I like the prestige system. I had heard about that as well. Because it, it sounds like, like the, the thing for me is I 
perhaps I have fun farming gear the first time on my first character. Right. And like, like for example, my main character, my shadow priest, like I have a lot of, I take quite a lot of pride in trying to get it its title each season and trying to get it. I, I have in the past been like quite keen on earning achievements and all this stuff. So, like for me, that character means like something, you know, because I've had it for years and years and years since I started, pretty much. So maybe you'll want to do the prestige. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I, so doing prestige yeah. on that is nice. But then when it comes to my fifth old or something, especially if I'm multi-classing a lot, if I'm playing multiple characters, it's not so fun to do the honor grind the fifth time on a healer or something. like. Yeah. So Even capping yeah, every that week. That is really nice. Yeah, yeah, capping every week as well. is it's quite a, It can be quite a painful experience if you're doing it multiple times. So I think that is a nice system for sure. Unfortunately, I don't think there's much competitively we can look at, but for Legion anyway. But I guess, you know, Blizzard has, they bought out MLG. They've got this new uh, eSports league that they're talking about. They hired the former ESPN CEO. Uh, so I'm hoping that there will be some, some cool stuff and they'll dump some money into WoW eSports. But I, unfortunately, I think they're probably going to put it in their other games. But Yeah, I, they're putting a lot of effort into Heroes, and I imagine uh, Overwatch is going to get good treatment when it becomes an eSport as well. Yeah, I do too. Have you played Overwatch? Uh, no, I haven't, but I've seen other people playing it. I'm not personally so into those types of games, but uh, it does look like a lot of fun for those who <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually don't like shooters at all, and I watched people and thought it looked kind of boring, but then I got into the mm. weekend beta, and it felt so fun. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it's not like majority of other shooters. Like It's got yeah. a lot of team play and stuff as well, I think. Yeah, just kind of weren't around fun more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that too. So you've been in ESL, and you said you're going to be in GCD TV. That that's pretty cool. Do you uh, did you watch the GCD TV tournament over this week, past weekend? Uh, yeah, I watched the the one this weekend quite a lot. I've been, I've had a, a few busy weekends, so I didn't get to catch all the other ones. Although I've certainly seen some games, and I've watched some but as well. But I was really excited to see how uh, positively it's growing, and especially this week it hit its record viewers at 18k or so, from what I saw, which was really exciting. They came out with a stat later and said it broke 19k at one point. Yeah, exactly, um, which is really, really, really good. And like I said before, I think a lot of that's because you know they get people like Cdu and uh, Mitch Jones mm-hmm. who just have all these followers and, and they host it and and get it all hyped up. And some people were saying, oh, that's that's a bad thing, and GCD wouldn't be anything without them, and, and kind of really trash-talking mm-hmm. the fact that they're the reason. I don't know if they're just being elitist about it, but to me, I don't care who watches. Uh, any any viewership is, is good for the, the game. Yeah, I agree. I, overall, like, I don't really mind how GCD gets its viewers within recent run. Yeah. Like, uh, if it gets viewers from... Certain people's certain people playing in it, then that's more than fine by me. Like I'm really excited for that. And I have to say, uh, some of the people who uh, do watch, like they get very. It's, it's similar to football, right? Like they get very into the personal team that they're supporting. Like a lot of the CDU fans were very fanatic <laughs> CDU fans, and they, yeah, we saw on Twitter especially that uh, they got quite um, animated when. Uh, other people were saying bad stuff, which in its own right, like in their own right, like of course they are able to do that. But there, yeah, there like I, overall, of, I think it's a really good thing. There's just a whole lot of drama and wow over the past yeah. week. I thought it would finally be over, and then there was more last night. So <laughs> uh, I'm not up to date with all of it, but I'm aware that there's stuff going on. Yeah. Um, what was your first competitive, uh, first competition that you ever competed in? You remember? In in WoW. In WoW. Uh, I played in a little German tournament on my Shadow Priest, which was, it was like a tiny tournament. It had maybe like 150 euro prize or so. Did and you we came second in it. Second? Which we earned ourselves like a pizza reach or something, like yeah. 50, yeah. 50 euros, which is nice. But, get, yeah, get some experience. That was the first one I ever played. I'm sure that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Oh, on the the fact that GCD had 20,000 people almost, I guess there was a really big Heroes of the Storm tournament going on at the exact same time with two of the the biggest teams, and they only mm. had, they only had 10,000 people. So, 
Oh, yeah. Double I think... Like, here's the Storm I'm aware that Blizzard puts a lot more budget into it. And uh, I guess it's really exciting. Like, I, I mean, I don't personally play the game, but uh, I watched, like, cause it, because it was just before the final at BlizzCon, I watched it. And, like, the when they invest so much into the... Uh, into the stage and into the the whole experience, it like really it really made it exciting even for me. And I uh, I don't play the game at all. I mean, I have a rough idea of what's going on, but uh, yeah, like it. I, I think it's really nice, but like it really does outline the achievement of GCD that uh, GCD, which is essentially run by two people with very low budget, they've been doing all the hard work themselves. They don't have a huge team or a huge corporation that uh, financially supports them with everything they've got. Like, and they do so, so well. Like, yeah, their quality. Really inspiring. Their, really qu- like. their quality in the past year has gone up so much. Yeah, like, exactly. And yeah. it's all because of the effort they've put on and nothing but that. I think the biggest thing that they have added to the competitive scene is that the downtime, like at BlizzCon, the downtime of their tournaments is mm-hmm. like minuscule. Because I remember going to like MLGs and stuff like that and watching tournaments and, and the downtime would be 30 minutes or an hour yeah. like they just they wouldn't have enough time and resources or know how to get it done and now I think that's the biggest thing for people because people just tune out and leave if uh, if there's mm. 30 minutes of downtime they'll go watch a different game uh, one of the things as well that people don't uh, don't realize is or a lot of people don't realize of course lots of people do as well is that Hannah and David the two people behind GCD TV were actually asked by Blizzard to admin a lot of the backstage stuff at BlizzCon. And that was one of the reasons that the event was so much more smooth this year than it had perhaps has been previously. Yeah, you could definitely and, uh, tell. Yeah, it was like, and it's really nice to have people like that dealing with the players because they're super friendly, they understand the players' needs, and you really feel like they're on your side and they're someone that you can uh, talk to as a competitor. It encourages you to not complain and to get on with it when you have like uh, people like that backstage, which is really, really nice. And of course, they're very organized and they're very passionate about what they're doing. So uh, the whole thing goes very smoothly. And I think the other kind of front end, I mean, we see like downtime is affected by them, but the rest of the quality has gone up so much. I checked out Mm -hmm. like a couple of years ago and it's like a Zell casting and they're not, they're not in a suit. They're not in a tie. They're not. Mm. They don't have a, a super professional stage or anything like that. It's kind of just them sitting in front of a computer. And now, now you watch, and it's like you, you could be watching any game. You you would have no idea yeah. if, if you're just seeing that stage. Like you think you're watching some major sports channel. Uh, with yeah, one, one of the the funny things actually was that uh, I remember Van Ruki and Co talked to me backstage, like the. Accommodators, Venruki, Law, and Viha. Mm-hmm. And they they actually said that the heroes of the Storm people who were on the same stage as the WoW players and uh, on the same stage as yeah, the WoW, they actually had to redress because Venruki and Co. outdressed them. Like, they were a lot smarter, <laughs> you know. So wow. the heroes of the Storm commentators actually changed their outfits. Wow, that's so a really that, uh, interesting they story. Would, they wouldn't get outdone, which is I thought was quite funny. Well, that's good. And I mean, they that, certainly enjoyed it. Yeah, it steps everybody up. Yeah. And and yeah. then I think adding the Bajir's role, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All, of, all the casters were amazing. His his, his role in general, like the the back to the back to the casters thing, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah, making exactly. it a filler, giving you a few minutes to get the other team set up, and it's not yeah. just the same couple people sitting there and talking about about the games, but. Yeah, they, like they had a really good balance because you have people like Venruki and Super Tees who are like top top players in the game, giving quite detailed analysis at points. And then uh, Bajira, who also has a very good understanding of the game, uh, he did a really good job of uh, making some of the plays like in slow motion with the replays. Like uh, he was making it more accessible to people that perhaps didn't catch it the first time and didn't know. Lot what the casual. key points of a matchup where yeah, the people who like might be really into WoW esports, but perhaps they haven't got the same experience or they haven't right. played it so long. So a lot more like, ca- he, casual like, friendly. He, yeah, exactly. That kind of like analysis like really 
helps the esport because it means for those people it's a lot more interesting because they then understand. Because even before the games, he was saying to some extent what you want to look out for in the game, and I think that really does help. So, and and again, having people like Vinruki and people like Bajira who have this huge following on Twitch come on there. I mean, I think that that helps mm. them too. If if everybody on there is uh, Lore and Vihel, who or they're pretty famous in WoW, but if you're a new kind of a newer player, you're not going to know who those guys are. So if you see a familiar face, I think that that makes it better. Yep. It makes yeah, you want to stick with it. Oh. And I will say, Majira is awesome at BlizzCon, but I sure wish he would get a BlizzCon quality mic for his <laughs> GCD TV tournament because he's mm. so he's so colorful and yeah. he's great yes. to listen to. But he somebody needs to donate him so he can get a new mic. <laughs> Everybody that's listening that to that. Go, go donate to Super Tease. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the current meta right now? Any humongous complaints that maybe we don't know about besides the Turbo? Or? Uh, well, I mean, I can't really complain about Turbo too much, given Turbo and RMD, are, I, I, in my opinion, they're pretty even in terms of like how strong they are as comps. And, I mean, I would say... Something I've been saying the whole expansion is that Rest of Druids probably need tuning because they've been dominant for an incredibly long time now. I mean, even though I play one myself, it, like when I play the other healers, which I do reasonably often, I I always feel more comfortable in my Druid, and I don't necessarily think it's because I'm better on it, even mm-hmm. though I, like, I know I'm better on my Druid than some of my other classes. I think the reason is often just because it's a lot stronger. Their Blizzard aim to increase the amount of casting, which they've done really well on a lot of classes. And Restodrids do have to cast a lot more now as well with the removal of Instant and Soul Clones, which is really good for the game. Like They've done a good job with stuff like that. And they also have to regrowth quite often as well. But if the, the difference between Restodrids and some other healers is that when they are behind and panicking, they can spam Genesis, which is quite a problem, I think, for the game because I don't think that's really the kind of gameplay you want to promote. And the fact that it's so strong to do this and that you can actually out-heal really high burst damage without casting is a bit of a problem. And I think that's one of the reasons Rest of Druids have been so dominant over recent uh, months and years. Do you think that the, the, expansion came out? the fact that they... I mean, a lot of time they're required to just kind of sit in bear form and tank stuff, is, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Well, I think doing stuff like pre-buffering stuns and deep sheeps and stuff is... Mm-hmm. It's not the easiest thing to do, but I i wish at the same time, yeah, that uh, it didn't mean you could just sit in bear form to pre-bear form the stuns. Like, you should have to heal outside of it and then go into it, like, at the right time because you anticipate something's up. Maybe, like, a cooldown which, on it or something? A short cooldown? Uh, yeah, perhaps. Or perhaps just making it less less strong, such or maybe making the hots less strong so that you can't mm-hmm. just sit in it the whole time. Because I agree, that's not a, a great playstyle. But I think against a lot of stuff, you can't just sit bare form anymore, especially this ex- this patch, when damage has gone up again. Sometimes Restodrids do get punished for misplaying in those kinds of situations, which is obviously a good thing. I do find it interesting that last season, the item level went up what forty, and this level this time it only went up ten. The, mm. the difference in damage between the seasons on a couple of classes isn't very noticeable after you get your weapon. Anyway, yeah, I don't I don't I, really notice it at all. Yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure what it is because I expected the same when I play. I mean, maybe it's slightly a placebo effect that I feel like I see my item level going up. I see I'm taking a lot of damage. I feel like it's more damage or something rather than. Yeah. It actually being more damage, but uh, some classes did get big damage buffs as well at the start of the season, mm-hmm. such as warriors and especially elementals. Right, and that has changed the game because uh, DKs as well got damage buffs, if I remember right. So a lot of these cleavy comps are doing a lot of damage. LSD is doing a lot of damage, and that and those those comps getting buffed has changed the meta game a little bit. Certainly in Europe, there's a lot of LSD high on the ladder, which there wasn't last season. And a lot, lot more warriors than there were before. In yeah, and there's quite a lot of warriors and a lot of DKs as well. I think Enhanced Shotgun's got a small damage buff, but then they got the healing nerf. 
too. Yeah. So Turbo got an overall pretty good buff. Yeah, that's that's a kind of positive buff though. Like I, I like the fact that they buff the damage on a class like Enhance and nerf the healing rather than doing it the other way around because it, yeah, in my opinion, it makes the gameplay more fun if the, if it's slightly more bursty like that. Yeah, not going to sixty uh, percent dampening is a lot better. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. And actually, the only comps that really drag you out to dampening now. Uh, some mage comps, like I see mage boomkin and stuff like this going mm. to damping a lot, not turbo so much. You can reset so often. Mm hmm exactly. Um, somebody did ask, who's the, like, the person that you look up to most in, in WoW, uh, in EU? I know, I've, I know you already said Talbotar since you're a huge fan of him, but, mm. like, like, who do you think, uh, besides you, of course, who's the best EU player right now? Uh, the best EU player, well, that's really hard uh, question to answer. Like uh, suddenly, the person I admired the most uh, out of all the European players for for pretty much ever was Zunyaki because, like, firstly he was the best at the class I play, mm. which is priest, and I was honoured, like, legitimately so honoured to play with him. One of the years, like, I was almost shocked because uh, a few months before I was like talking to my friends, like, being a super fanboy of him, even though. Obviously, I was playing on a really high level as well. It still didn't strike me that that could happen, which was really nice. And then uh, the thing the thing about Zunyaki, which makes him... Well, there's, there's two things. Firstly, he's really, really diverse. He's plays Disc and Shadow at a super high level. He actually played in one of the BlizzCon finals as a Resto Shaman, which wasn't an, under ideal circumstances for him, of course, because the expansion changed and the metagame changed. He wouldn't have probably preferred to be on Shaman, but he did a really, really good job and performed super well in the games. And also, he's one of these players that can log into the game after a few months and instantly be good. Like, he doesn't play the game after BlizzCon the majority of years, and then he comes back a few months before qualifiers start, and he's just... Everyone wants a piece of him. Everyone wants to be playing with him because he's just that good, you know. And he's got that lane like, experience and yeah, and everything built up. Maybe not so many yeah. nerves. So if if I did pick a player, uh, like a, an all-time great from Europe, I would have to say it's him. But of course, there's several others that really stand out right now. You've got people like, well, all my partners are phenomenal players. Uh, people like Raikou and Nilefer have been around a long time and. Uh, Raikou quit recently, or quit before BlizzCon. He wasn't playing for a long time, and before that, he was really, really good. And No Life has been was a legendary mage of Mop, like probably the best mage in Mop by quite a distance, I think. I have to say, I uh, think uh, besides yeah. you, everybody hyped Pry so much. Yeah, uh, the Pry is Pry is really fucking good as well. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was super impressed with him. Mm, yeah. Do you have any yeah, thoughts he, he on, played uh, really, really well as well. Well, yeah, you guys got second place, and it, yeah, it was exactly. it, you didn't you just get sweeped. Uh, you you guys played, uh, so it was really interesting how the brackets turned out. Like the semifinals was NA versus EU, and NA versus EU, and both <laughs> EU won. Do you have any thoughts on that, or that, is EU really that much better? Or uh, well, certainly at the time. We were encouraged to hype the EU NA thing for the the reason that uh, uh, we're happy that GCD has people like Cedu now. Like it promotes debate, promotes drama, and it gets viewers. You know, like to so I you all have seen in my interviews. I was trashing NA more than I would normally just because uh. <laughs> you know that's the, that's the kind of thing that like yeah I love it. Twitch chat excited. Yeah, yeah, everyone loves that, right? And. Mm. Uh, it's really, really good for esports when you do stuff like that. But uh, overall, I think NA has a lot of very, very good players. The reason EU performs better, certainly the last two years, in my opinion, is just because it's a lot more active. There's On NA, there's normally only two or three good players for the majority of classes. That's not true of all classes, but like at the top, there's a lot of good top players, but not as many as EU. Like, the player pool is a lot smaller. As you can see from every season, there's a lot less Gladiator and Rank 1 spots. I think 
that might change for next year because of the impact GCD is having. It's making a lot of teams stick together and improve on their teamwork, and it's also increasing activity and competitiveness, which will be really good for any uh, WoW Arena, for sure. And, and in fact, that's something I am really excited for if uh, Europe can start to develop these kinds of tournaments in the same way NA did. Traditionally, Twitch viewers seem to favor NA. I think the majority of the viewership must be North American because okay. I watch a lot of other games as well and uh, often it's the North American streamers that are more popular. But I think having such tournaments in Europe will uh, be really exciting as well. Yeah, I wish there were more really big European streamers. I mean, Hydra had mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of drama and a lot of activity back in the day, but yeah. now there's not really there's not really anybody to watch, and it's yeah. a shame. Same with healers. It's it's rare to find like a like a holy paladin or somebody streaming. I mean, there's not very many healers. I I don't know if it's just because they think it's boring to watch, so they don't stream, or or what the deal is. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, suddenly with European streamers, the problem has been that uh, donations typically seem to be lower for European streamers, which I think is for the same reason that uh, perhaps there's less of a tipping culture in Europe, because mm -hmm. in the US I know there's quite a big tipping culture, like it's standard to tip every meal and everything, right. and it can be like that in Europe as well, but the tipping culture certainly isn't as big, so perhaps people don't aren't inclined to donate as much, and then obviously gives less incentive to streamers. I also think, as I said, that the majority of the viewership must be from North America. I don't actually have statistics on that, but... It seems that like that something. definitely to yeah, me, too. Yeah, it certainly does seem like that, yeah. Yeah. So... Also, when they uh, but, when they tweet out, like, who do you think is going to win this, yeah, this match? Yeah, and it's always, exactly. always they pick always the NA team. Or exactly. the most popular team. If it's if it's two yeah. North American teams, it's always the, the Tempo Storm or... You know, yeah, because they've got Jamelia Pigaboo, or it's a Sea-Doo team, or Snuts team, or something like that. Yeah, uh, and that's that's certainly something that's also nice about winning against those teams. Like you do get a little sense of satisfaction from knowing the fan vote was heavily against you, and then you defy the odds. It's yeah, always a nice feeling. <laughs> well, then you become the fan, you know you get the fan yeah, base, yeah, after yeah, that, exactly. or at least you hope. I know uh, Joe Fernandez, his stream is blown up. Yeah, yeah, but that's 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 the other thing I was going to say that despite. Uh, the fact that NA streamers do typically do better, there are a couple of exceptions. Suddenly, Joe Fernandez is one of them. His stream is always quite popular when he turns it on. It actually peaked at around 3K viewers, I saw, at one point in the last week, which is pretty phenomenal for an individual uh, streamer playing competitive, high-level WoW. Uh, and also Min Poike, obviously, is another example of someone that streams reasonably frequently and does do particularly well in viewers. But I, and I've definitely noticed that those players have a lot of viewership when <laughs> the North American players aren't online, but then if yeah, maybe a Vendriki or a Seduce logs on, they yeah, lose, then they, they lose some typically of that stuff. drop to a thousand dollar. Well, yesterday, before yesterday, I was going to ask you if, if you had any thoughts on like older players not performing as well because like you say we do have like Sidhu and like in the old MLG players and uh and Snuts and Vinruki all those guys not really perform in the last year at least uh, ever since Wad came out mm. I was going to ask you about that and then they won the GCD TV mm. tournament and uh I do think they played exceptionally well I think maybe maybe those other teams didn't play 100% like as good as they could have played but I I think they earned that win and I think it's going to yeah. be even better for the scene because now they're hyped up and and uh, everybody's one to watch it. So I yeah. it's good. I think uh, I think especially in Warlords, uh, the main how do I phrase it? The main uh, factor in a lot of the players that are that are succeeding is effort and time put in. So uh, a lot of like the the way that the expansion works has. At the top, it's meant that a lot of players are... They're not like... No one's on the same level, I think, but a lot of players are on quite similar levels. So it's the teams that play the most together and work on their strategies the most to pick up perhaps those slight little niches that uh, do the best. So 
I wouldn't say, I don't really think a lot of the players, like I, I know the term washed up is used a lot. I don't think mm-hmm. anyone really gets washed up, but perhaps some people find that other expansions, people that have been playing the game 10 years or something, a lot of them find that other expansions perhaps might have been slightly more exciting. And that means either they play less or they try less hard. Or especially, and a lot of these players are streamers as well, and streaming does. I'm pretty sure it's a fact that for most people, streaming does distract them from uh, yeah, I was about, I was just actually about to playing that, yeah. competitively. Well, and of course, to, to credit those guys who won yesterday, they did say, hmm. I mean, they practiced a whole bunch off stream. And Snut said, uh, yeah, you know, exactly. the drama with, he said he wanted to stream while it was going on, uh, and then he ended up not doing that, but yeah. Snut said... And, and I, I question if they would have won if they'd streamed it as well. Like, yeah. I think they would struggle a lot more. Well, and Snuts told him, I guess, he said, you will not stream my games. He said, yeah. I, will, I will not play. If you stream my games, it'll distract me, and I'll be worried yeah, that people exactly. are watching us lose, and you just mm-hmm. don't, you don't want to do that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I completely agree with that. And then people just shit on you if you do end up losing while you're streaming. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. A, it is a big distraction, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, like I'm guilty of this in the past as well, do watch streams to watch the streamer lose because it's quite exciting when they do lose. <laughs> like some some people handle it different to others, but uh, sometimes it is it's quite nice to watch the streamer lose. Like I'm guilty of that uh, pleasure, but uh, I think. Yeah, the fact that they didn't stream it, I was really happy about that. Not only because it increases the quality of the gameplay, which I really do believe in, but also because I I don't like the idea of GCD sharing the viewership. Right. I know that people like CDU really do boost the viewership, and it it probably is within their right to do it if they wanted to, but the overall benefit to GCD and esports would, of course, diminish from this. But of course, then he goes on to to win the tournament. He turns on a stream. He's got twenty. Yeah, exactly. People and, and he he got he got more than enough oh, benefit man. from it, anyways. I think so. he probably got a thousand. I think it worked out for everyone. Exactly. Yeah, he got tons of money, and mm-hmm. same for Snuts. I think that was a good decision not to do that, and they'll go yep. forward. And he said he didn't want to do it, but it, I mean, it's worth worth thinking about. Do you want to do that or not? I mean, I don't blame them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I do have a couple uh, viewer questions. People wrote in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Real Chops writes, what do you think about healing being mostly preemptive cooldown use now instead of reactive cooldown use? Hmm. Well, it depends which class you play and which comp you play. But yeah, certainly, that's with things like Iron Back on Rest and Sacrifice on Paladin, that's something that's uh, that is, uh, you do have to use preemptive and I really like that kind of thing. And we were talking about it a little bit earlier when I said that uh, it's really nice that Druids have to pre-bear from stuns to either avoid CC or avoid damage. I really like that. But I don't think it's a new concept. I think that kind of thing's been in the game a long time. For example, the Priest Shadow or Death mechanic has been in the game since the beginning of time people discovered it and made the most use of it in Warthog and since then, of course. like These mechanics have been in the game for a long time. They're very uh, good. I really... Of course, they're like... They're probably the hardest things to master and they increase the skill gap skill cap of the game the most. So I think, yeah, like Death and Sheep are really is, good things. I think they're the most interesting thing to watch yeah, as well. Exactly. Like uh, yeah. it's it's super fun to see a priest uh, Shadow or Death of Poly or, or whatever. Yeah. And I, I definitely do think those are the mechanics that uh, Blizzard should be promoting in Legion as well. Yeah. Uh, Anna writes, long time listener, first time caller, Talby, do you have any rivals or anyone you hate or like to play against? Uh I mean, honestly, like when I think about rivalries, uh, one of the advantages of being a multi-classer is that uh, it enables me to play with anyone, right? Like, if you're if you exclusively play healer, like say I exclusively played Restored, then I would become perhaps more rivals with other Restored because I wouldn't necessarily talk to them so much, and you know, like I, whenever I meet them, I meet them as an enemy. Mm. But since I've multi-classed, like since I'm playing DPS and healer quite often, I haven't played with every player in the game, of course, but I've played with a lot of the people that I often compete against. And I think that's enabled me to like, well, develop friendships and enjoy the other people. So I can't really look at them when I enter the arena and be like, oh, I hate that guy. I don't Do you- think there's anyone I could say 
that too. Do you ever go into the arena and just and think, oh, you know, it's one of the guys that you really like, but you get really excited to to go in and be yeah. stomp your yeah, friend? Yeah, there, there there are a lot of people that I really enjoy beating. There's <laughs> a priest called Nies, who I have a lot of fun beating. He's the first one, but he's a disc priest. Like he still doesn't play the same specialization as me. It's yeah. like he's more a friend that I enjoy to beat. And some there are some people in the game that it's really. Uh, nice to be because of their reactions. Obviously, long-time friends as well. Always nice to be. If I did have any rivalries, traditionally it would have probably been with shadow priests, and because I, uh, I was quite proud of my shadow priest in season 14 MOP. Like I was the highest on the ladder, and I had all this going for me. So I was. That was my first time really feeling that power of. Uh, possibly being the best. Like Zunyaki wasn't playing at the time. I was hmm. like easily the highest rated one and so then if I'd lost a Shadow if I lost a Shadow Priest then then perhaps I would get a little upset. But I think suddenly these days after I've been playing the game quite a while competitively, I would never have said that I was the best at uh, any of the classes. Like I reckon there's a lot of other players that play on my level in in all the classes I play, suddenly these days. And, yeah, I, 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 I mean, of course I like to beat people. Like, I'm a competitive person. If I wasn't a competitive person, I wouldn't succeed in competitions. But uh, I wouldn't say that I have any hatreds or anything like that. Okay. Uh, last question. Kreider writes, and I know you actually, Before I'll preface this with, you did go to school uh, for economics, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, but he writes, did you always want to play WoW professionally, or play any game professionally? I'll add to that. If not, what profession did you want to pursue? Has WoW had a pos- positive or negative impact on other aspects of your life? Well, I certainly think. Well, one the first thing about uh, competitiveness, I guess, is uh, like not many people know this about me, but I was actually a competitive chess player before I was a competitive WoW player, and. Uh, I represented my country multiple times when I was a junior uh, at chess, which was uh, really exciting, and I had a lot of fun doing that. But after a little while, like I played the game pretty solidly for like 10 years, so it did get a little bit tiresome for me. And there were other exciting things I was going through, because I was going through that age of life where everything's exciting and new. And one thing I really did enjoy at school was my economics, and therefore, after enjoying it at A-level, which is, I think, the equivalent of high school for my country, uh, I went on to study at university. And suddenly in my mind and in my parents' mind, it would have been a very viable career option for me. It's certainly something I was strongly considering. And it is something I still strongly consider, to be honest. Uh, some sort of business or finance role is something that I would feel comfortable doing. But uh, ever since I did, I've, I've always enjoyed games. Uh, so I always spend a lot of my time playing games. And the fact that I was able to make so much out of WoW, I mean, I've made a lot of success, a reasonable amount of money. I met my girlfriend playing WoW. And like all these things have really had a positive effect on my life compared to perhaps the way I used to play games and like overplay them and not achieve too much. So that's something that's been really nice for me. And now I'm at the stage of my life where I finished my studies. Uh, my studies perhaps could have gone better if I wasn't playing well, but the fact that I completed them is something that I'm proud of. And now I am at the junction where I have to decide what I want to do as a career in my life. So something like the thing I'm really passionate about is esports right now. So if I could find a way of uh, pushing forward as a as someone in esports, whether that be a competitor or uh, as someone that organizes events or just generally promotes it, that would be something that would be really, really exciting for me. But uh, my fallback plan would always be to be, yeah. Do some business. I tell yeah, you, exactly. as a business owner, there are definitely some ups and downs, but I'm not sure. I yeah, think, yeah. I think I'd rather play well professionally. Yeah. But, uh, well, I, I think playing well professionally is difficult. Like, I have to find ways of using what I've learned in the industry. And mm-hmm. by being so invested in esports, I have to have a more open mind to actually form a career. Because WoW is a great game, but uh, games like this, like Blizzard, won't support it forever. It will 
eventually it will be replaced by something new and it's possible to transfer your skills but I think if you want to have a stable career and uh, stuff like this you do need to have a slightly more open mind than just thinking I'll be a professional WoW player for my entire life and I feel uh, like maybe Europe pushes their esports stuff maybe a little bit more than NA there's definitely a lot of more live live events and stuff like that the dream hacks and yeah, yeah like exactly. I mean, been yeah, CS fun. is a really, really big thing in Europe, and suddenly in Sweden and Scandinavia, DreamHack, all these events uh, are really, really big, yeah, for sure. Okay, well, that is all the questions. That's all I have for you. Is there any shout-outs you'd like to do or tell people where they can find you? Uh, yeah, so I, I do stream occasionally. I did try to stream uh, more full-time, but I haven't... Always had the, I haven't had the greatest success in getting viewers, and uh, I don't stream so much anymore, but I will be streaming from time to time on twitch.tv slash healingstudy. I also have a Twitter, which is twitter uh, forward slash healingstat. Uh, those are the main places you can find me, and I'd just like to say thank you for your time, and uh, thanks for watching those at home. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show. It was a good show, good interview, and uh, if you guys would like to find us, you can find us Mondays at uh, actually at 5.30 PST. I did it a little bit earlier for Telby since it's 2 in the morning now for mm -hmm. him. Yeah, uh, so we will see you guys. I won't be back for probably at least a month since my wife's having a child on Friday. We're going to take a sm <laughs> small hiatus. Thank you very much. Uh, you can find the podcast at Q Popped Podcast on SoundCloud. You can find it at Q Pop Podcast on iTunes. You can find it on Stitcher or any other podcast app. It'll also be unedited to watch on YouTube and unedited on Twitch every single week. I would like to thank everybody. I'd like to thank my sponsor, Warsong Battalion, and thanks for coming to Q Pop Podcast. I will see you guys next time.